Okay. Well, you guys ready to get into this? Yeah. Um, so about three years ago, I was laying on the couch sick. I did not have COVID. Didn't exist back then. At least we don't know. Uh, laying on the couch sick, and I was in that zone going back and forth between waking up and, you know that thing, it's like, I'm up, and you wake up, and you're like, 10 hours has gone by. And I was laying there thinking, you know, if I'm going to be laying here for all this time, maybe I should learn something uh, instead of just like vegging out on Netflix. Uh, there's nothing ever good on Netflix, is there? It's like, anyway, another story. So I was laying there thinking, man, I should do something before, besides just vegging out on Netflix. And so a few weeks prior to that, I had just read a book that I received in the mail called The Gospel Reset. I think you got a little picture of that. Dr. Ken Ham. Uh, many of us have been to the Ark Encounter. He's the one who started the Ark Encounter. Uh, who's been to the Ark Encounter? Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. So we had a blast doing that. That is, man, that was amazing. And so, um, anyway, he wrote this book called The Gospel Reset. And in it, he, he really explained how we need to begin rethinking, reframing, and adjusting how we communicate the gospel into this current environment we're in. And he, and he used um, two examples, uh, Peter talking to the Jews in Acts chapter 2 in Jerusalem. When, he comes, when Peter starts talking to the Jews, he starts talking about the prophecy spoke of Jesus and, and you know all these things that we've been waiting for and your sins need to be forgiven and he is the sacrificial lamb. So he's talking to an audience that has uh, some understanding of what, what it means you know, the, the whole background of the Jewish religion, and, and of course, Jesus was a Jew. And so he's, he's talking to them in that way. And, and, you know, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, all this kind of stuff. Well, Paul, when he's in, the, in Athens, Greece, he talks to them completely, completely different. You know, the Greeks had no background. They don't know who these people are. They don't know about the prophecies. They're pagan people. The, the Jewish religion, that was just for them. The, the Greeks had no clue about any of these things. So he doesn't come saying, well, he was the fulfillment of the prophecies, and, and you know uh, what it says in Deuteronomy. And all. He wasn't using any of that. What does he do? He comes into the city, and he sees this big statue in the middle of the, of the city, and he goes, he goes, you know that statue that you're looking at right there that says, to the unknown God? He looks at that and he says, you know who that is? That is the God, the creator of the universe that made you and me. He says, this is the one who has come to the earth and, and, and he wants to uh, forgive you of your sins and wants to make you right with God. And he's the one that you've been missing in your life. Two different ways of talking about it. You wouldn't talk to the Jewish people about all the background prophetic people, right? You go from the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything you see now is from him, and, and, and he sent his son, all that kind of stuff. Well, he, Ken Ham makes the great point. He says, America is becoming like Greece. America is becoming like Greece. You know, only 50% of millennials now identify as being a Christian. Identify. Actually involved in their church, oh, that's much lower. But just identifies being a Christian. So when you say things like, well, the Bible says, or sin, or Jesus, or, you know, get right with God, they're going to go, what are you talking about? Who are you to tell me that there's sin? Who do you tell me I'm sinning? I, I don't believe in the Bible. So, so his point was we have to go back to the beginning to understand Jesus. Jesus only makes sense through the beginning and so Genesis is the first book of the foundation of our faith. So here's the problem. When Genesis is discredited, the whole house of cards comes down, falling down, right? So back to me laying on the couch. So I'm laying on the couch, and I've just seen this book, and, I'm, and I thought, you know what? I, I'm kind of interested, you know? He sent me this free book, and I guess advertising works, right? Because we've spent a lot of money with that ministry. You know, we sent all, we, 50 of us went out there. Advertising works, but really... I started, after I read that book, I was like, man, I really want to know more about this ministry. And so I sat there and I listened on and off, conscious, unconscious, for 10 hours to video after video of stuff I had never heard before about dinosaurs, the age of the earth, the proof of the flood. And during that time, I began to dig in more and more and go, man, 
I'm convicted. Like, I don't think I really believed this stuff. I know it's in the Bible, but I don't think I believed it. You see, I had grown up in a dualistic kind of belief system, which a lot of us probably are. I believed in the Bible, and I also believed the history of the earth as it was told to me in the textbooks in school. So I didn't believe in evolution, but I believed that things in the Bible we read were maybe just some misinterpretations. We didn't quite understand the whole story. Maybe they were metaphors in certain places. Um, or maybe just Genesis can be interpreted a little differently. Of course, I, I believed in Adam and Eve and, and uh, in the flood, but I was open to interpretation. And I also believed in a universe of billions of years old, I believed in a prehistoric caveman that had no soul. I believed in multiple layers of fossils that were laid down over billions of years and millions of years. And somehow God used all that in his sovereignty for his purpose, and it was his process. You guys, are, some of you are going to walk out. He says, I actually believe that dinosaurs roamed the earth 65 million years ago. Everybody's quiet. I love it. I don't believe that anymore. And you're going to go, okay, you're crazy. Okay, well, so we'll get into it, all right? We'll talk about it. So maybe you believe in all those things, and that's okay. I'm not here to try to convince you of a theory, or I'm not trying to prove something to make you believe. Here's what I really want to come down to. I want to talk to believers here in this room, and I, and I want to ask this question or ask of, this, of you. Let's start with the Bible first. And then see how science fits into the Word of God instead of the opposite. Now, I know it's these days following the science has got a little weird. <laughs> following the science has gotten a little weird. We understand the last 18 months that sometimes that doesn't work. Dr. Fauci tells us a lot of different things every week. I hear him, and he's telling us something brand new that we need to be doing. Follow the science. Just follow. And you're like, which science? Are we following this doctor's science? Are we following Israel's science? Are we following the CDC science? Are we following the WHO science? Whose science are we following? It keeps changing. And so when I was growing up in school, the prevailing thought... Oh, that's my phone. Sorry. Somebody's here. The prevailing thought was the Big Bang Theory. I don't Is it still taught in schools? I don't know. Do they still teach that in the, in the schools? Anybody? Kids? Okay, okay. Big Bang Theory is taught in the schools. Still te- so this is what, how the universe was created from a little ball of matter that had this intense heat. It exploded. And everything came out of this little piece of matter. Now, I want to show you a little clip here, or a little video, or not a video, but uh, the Big Bang wasn't the beginning after all. This is in Forbes magazine. And you can find over and over and over people saying, yeah, I don't know if it really happened that way. Yet we're taught it that it's, it is, man, that's the way it happened, right? The timeline of the age of the earth keeps changing on us. Do you know 150 years ago, just 150 years ago, that the average person thought the earth was about 6,000 years old? And the reason we thought that was based upon the genealogies in the book of Genesis that tell us how, he, how, how old each person was. And they don't say, it doesn't say 6,000 years, but we just you know, do the math on that. 1862, they changed it and said, no, 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 I think it's 100 million years old. 1907, it became 500 million years old. 1941, it was 3.2 billion years old. Today, it's 4.5 billion years old. But the universe is way older than that. It's 13.5 billion years old. Oh, wait, I just saw an article two years ago. It says, well, I think we're off by a million, a billion years. It's 12.5 billion years. So we got a little bit closer there. Let's just, I just want to say this. We don't really know everything. Um, there's no slam dunk on anything. I'm not a scientist, have you haven't figured out? <laughs> I don't claim to know every, any, everything. And there's going to be people in here, because it happens every time I start talking about it, that walk up to me and say, you know, they've discovered such and such. Or a lot of times it's on, it's the trollers on uh, Facebook. And they say, oh, that didn't really happen. You know, the Bible's not meant to be a scientific book. They say, you know, the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And I'm like, dude, it's a metaphor, man. Because obviously the earth goes around the sun, not the sun around us. So all these things, 
But um, let me just say this. They don't have the proof either that you think they do. They have theories that have become common thought. No one was there when the world was formed except the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they tell us how it happened. I'm going to go with them. (laughs) Every dating method that they have is based upon assumptions that everything was the same 13.5 billion years ago as it is today, and that the earth, which is 4.5 billion years ago, they, they say, everything has been the same as it's always been. This is called uniformitarianism. If I'm saying that word right, I can't, it's, that's a mouthful. But uniformitarianism is the assumption that the same natural laws and processes that, are op, that operate in the present day scientific observations have always operated in the universe in the past and apply everywhere in the universe. This means this. The earth hasn't changed. The atmosphere has never changed. There was no global flood. There was no catastrophic event. There was no supernatural power at work. So we can take what we're seeing now, the rates of decay. We can take how the atmosphere works, the carbon, the radiometric dating, all that stuff. I don't want to go over your head. But we can take all those things, and the assumptions are that's what it was 13 billion, or if the earth, if, if it's measuring stuff on the earth, that's what it was 4.5 billion years old, and it has never changed. There's never been a change in that. Well, I play this video every year, and I'm going to play it again because it's always good. Uh, Let's watch this video, and we'll show that that's not true. You know, I grew up in country like this. My dad and I would ride our horses up to these amazing high mountain lakes. We'd ride back into some pretty remote wilderness areas with incredible streams and meadows and and wildlife. I love it here. Look at this canyon. It reminds me of the Grand Canyon. You've got this little stream. You've got these steep canyon walls. How long do you suppose it would take for a stream this small to remove this much material and cut the canyon this deep? This rock has a history, just like I do and just like you do. It came from somewhere. A lot of these rocks have been dated to be 350,000 years old, up to 2 million. That's pretty old. But it might surprise you to know that all of the geological formations that we see here, the canyons, the layers, even the plants, are younger than I am. When I was born, there was nothing here but a vast forest, hundreds of feet below where we're standing right now. In fact, before 1980, most people had never even heard of Mount St. Helens. It was in that year, on May the 18th, that molten rock created a steam blast with a force of 20 million tons of TNT. Avalanche debris and other flows from the eruption laid down all of those layers rapidly, up to 600 feet thick. A couple years later, uh, there was some more volcanic activity that created a mud flow that cut out this entire canyon. It also cut through deep bedrock, all in a couple days. Isn't it amazing what a little bit of information from the past can do to help change your view of the present and the present world around you? There are a lot of assumptions made by a lot of people about the history of the earth around us. The question is, how do those assumptions affect how we view that history? But more importantly, how do they play into how we view science and the Bible? Did God create the world in a few days or billions of years? Is mankind descended from apes or did God create us instantly in his image? Was there a global flood that destroyed the earth? Or is that a myth? In other words, is Genesis history? Pretty cool, huh? Just like that, the earth can change. 
And scientists can't take into account those things because they weren't there. They don't know all they're going to do. In fact, they've measured some of these rocks that are 10 years old and they've come out as in like 3 million years old. They're, they're, they know that they're 10 million year, or 10 years old, but they come out as 10 million years old. So if you're in here, you might be thinking, why are you talking about this? Maybe you're new to this, uh, new to us. We, we cover this every single year. And um, you might be asking, why are we talking about this? What's this matter? Well, it matters because I think we're really at a crossroads as a church, especially in the U.S. I think we've pretty much lost the culture war. Um, at least we're way behind. The culture war doesn't scare me a whole lot because the early church thrived in a pagan culture. And don't get me wrong, I love America and I want, I'm going to continue to fight and believe and vote for values like um, abortion being banned. I, I praise God for Texas. Um, I want to be in a, in, a, in a nation, in a state that upholds Christian values. But our goal is not, as Christians, to make a good Christian culture. Our goal is to reach people for Jesus Christ. We have to remember that. We have to remember that. When people are filled with the power and the love of Christ, the culture changes. And they, they're going to vote for those things. But that's not the goal here, is to build a, a utopian society. No, we're here to spread the love of Jesus. So we're at a crossroads of the church, and I want to read you some stuff because I really feel like the church has really become a powerless church, and, and I'll explain why here in a minute, but it's become a powerless church. People are leaving in droves. Our students are, are losing their faith. They're not coming back. I want you to look at some of the stats here that I'm going to just say. I, I didn't have time to put them all up here, but in 2000, 45% of people in America were practicing Christians. What, what they mean by, by that is they prioritized their faith and they went to church once a month, 45%. 20 years later, that number is down to 25%. 20, in 20 years, we've lost 20% of the United States that would call themselves, and these are just people who would just go to church once a month. Only 38% of Americans think God created the world. 68% of evangelical Christians say humans have evolved over time with God's help. Barna just came out with, I meant to bring that book up here, but it's called Generation Z. And um, they did some massive studies on this next generation. Listen to this. Only 6%, 6 of millennials have a biblical worldview, and only 4% of Gen Z has a biblical worldview. What is a biblical worldview? That Jesus lived a sinless life, he died for your sins, that there's a real heaven, there's a real hell, there's a real Satan. We should share our faith, and that the Bible is accurate in all its teachings. Only 4% of Gen Z believes that. Four percent. You might ask why. Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons is we are indoctrinating a secular worldview into them every single day of our lives. And not, not us, but the school systems and the world. And they are being told that science has proven and answered all the questions that we might have in life. And that the Bible is a bunch of fairy tales. Now, let's be honest as a church. Let me show you a picture. Is this not what we generally think of when we share our faith about Noah's Ark? Isn't this what we share our kids with? Oh, it's a little fun. I mean, would you not think that that's a story, fairy tale, if you were as a little kid? Yeah, it's a little fairy tale. It's cute little animals. In Ken Ham's book, Already Gone, it's another book that I read that was, they sampled, it's one of the largest studies. They sampled 20,000 people, that most of them who had left the church, and these were, majority of them were, were millennials. And uh, they found some interesting things. I've got a little bit I'm going to read out of this book here. Said, But most people assume that students are lost in college. We've always been trying to prepare our kids for college, and I think we sh still should. But it turns out that only 11% of those who have left the church were still attending during the college years. Almost 90% of them were lost in the middle school and high school years. By the time they got to college... This is the name of the book. They were already gone. About 40% are leaving the church during elementary and middle school years. 
Most people assume that elementary and middle school is a fairly neutral environment where children toe the line and follow the footsteps of their parents' spirituality. That's not so. I believe that over half of these kids were lost before we got them into high school. Whatever diseases are fueling the epidemic of losing our young people, they're infecting our students much, much earlier than most. So when they drilled down to find out why they were leaving the, the, the church, it all came up to the main things. It came up to Adam and Eve, snake in the garden, global flood, Tower of Babel. I don't believe it. It's not true. Science has disproven it. In fact, here's a number. I think we have it up there. Those who no longer believe that all the accounts in the stories of the Bible is true, 39, almost 40% first had their doubts in middle school. What, what age is middle school? Fifth, sixth, seventh? 43 first had their doubts in high school, 43%. 10.6 first had their doubts in college. So they're already going, this stuff is not right. I'm being taught every day in the classrooms that this stuff is not right, that that's not how things happen, and so we're stuck in this conundrum. And I want you to listen to what he says. He says, what happened in Europe is happening on this side of the Atlantic. Our spirituality has become compartmentalized. Yes, we go to church, but only to get our emotional and spiritual needs met. Then we walk out the doors and face a pagan world that we have to live by a whole different set of assumptions. We might say this doesn't matter, but let's be honest. In the back of everyone's mind is the question, if I can't trust the Bible in earthly things, why should I trust the Bible in spiritual things? What really happened to the church in the United Kingdom and Europe, in fact, across the Western world, was the church basically disconnected the Bible from the real world. Churches today in America are not, in a, are not a place where one talks about geology, dinosaurs, fossils, or the age of the earth. That is left up to the schools and the colleges. Effectively, the church basically hands over the history of the universe to the secular educational institutes and concentrates on the spiritual and moral aspects of Christianity. The church actually disconnects the Bible from the real world. The children in the churches are really taught that in church, one doesn't deal with geology, one doesn't deal with biology, and so on. That is for school. In church, we talk about Jesus, we deal with the doctrines, and we study moral and spiritual matters. But anything pertaining to understanding geology, biology, astronomy, anthropology, and so forth, that's left up to the schools. Thereby and large, they are taught a biological, anthropological, I said that right, geological, astronomical history of the universe that totally contradicts the Bible's account of creation, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. Now listen to this. This is kind of scary. Yes, the epidemic has spread to our shores our current generation of children is leaving the church in droves. We are less than one generation away from being a nation of hollow, empty churches. If more than possible, there will, that will be the few remnant gray hair believers who sit in nearly vacant pews on Sunday. That should scare us a little bit, right? Have you, do you know what? Have you ever been to Europe? Have you seen what's happening in Europe? Nobody goes to church. And we, ask, we have to ask ourselves some questions. Are we treating the stories of the Bible in some ways, and we don't even realize we're doing it, kind of like Santa Claus? I have a picture that I want to show that has nothing to do with Santa Claus, but it was one of my favorite Santa Claus pictures for comp comedic effect. So here we go. <laughs> That's Grace's first Santa photo. Look at, look at Sarah, just eh, smiling. <laughs> we were talking about it this morning. We're thinking, think about this little girl. How, how old is she? One, maybe two. And we hand her to this man dressed in a suit that has a fake beard. And we say, talk to this guy. And they're like, I don't want to talk to this guy. All right, you can, you can change it. So let me ask a question. Are we treating... Some of the stories, do we even talk about some of the stories like we talk about Santa Claus? It's one of those things where we all go along with the story, but we don't really believe it, right? We talk about it, but, and maybe we, may, we would never say, well, I don't believe it, but we would think, well, some parts maybe, really, how could you get all the animals on an ark, really? Of course, we could talk about that, but how, how, could, you, how could that really happen? Everybody coming from one person, I don't know how that's possible. And so we kind of kind of sit on the fence, or we just don't want to talk about it. The church doesn't seem to have a lot of answers. 
Have you ever had a kid go, what happened to the dinosaurs? Where does that fit in the story? Anybody ever asked that? had a kid ask that? Well, let's talk about it. Cavemen, like these, you know, so easy a caveman could do it. Where did they come from? Where does that fit in the story? I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. The age of the earth, where do we come from? And what we do is we look at students and we say, well, just have faith. Just believe it. Just believe it. Barna, in this book on Gen Z, says this, and I thought this was a really powerful statement. He said, half of teens, as well as millennials, say, I need factual evidence to support my beliefs. Which helps explain their uneasiness with the relationship between science and the Bible. Romans 10 says this, so faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. The way we get faith, when we read the Bible, and the Bible's the word of Christ, when we read the Bible, faith should arise in our hearts, right? So as we read it, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me ask you a couple questions. If you, don't, if you no longer, or you're told that God no longer speaks, and we have lots of spiritual leaders who say things like that, God no longer speaks today, will you ever hear God speak? Probably not. You're not listening for him. Well, I hate him. If if you even do hear him, you're like, well, it's not God speaking to me. I've been told he doesn't speak anymore. If you are told that God no longer heals, which a lot of spiritual leaders say, God doesn't do that anymore, then will you ever pray and see somebody, somebody sick be healed? Probably not. Why? You don't have any faith for it. I don't think God can do this, so I'm not going to even pray for it. Go take a pill, right? If you are told the stories of the Bible are not true, that science has disproved them, how can you possibly believe the rest? Jesus is a liar, if that's the case, because he mentioned Genesis quite a bit. Paul's a liar. We're about to read him about him in a second. Peter's a liar. Jude's a liar. They're all liars. And I know that sounds strong to say that, but here's the point. If they don't believe the beginning is true, then how in the world do we believe that what Jesus says who referenced the beginning is true? And so you see, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. So if you can interpret everything that you read in the Bible and say, well, you know what? This doesn't really fit with our modern thinking anymore. I think we've kind of figured this part out. And you can reinterpret, well, you know, that's a metaphor, that's poetry, and you can re, re, reinterpret that like we do with Genesis, then everything's up for grabs. And do you know that every denomination that has openly accepted homosexuality for pastors and, and said, hey, this is okay, do you know these are the same denominations who have categorized Genesis as poetry? Why? Because Genesis tells us everything about where man and woman come from, about marriage, everything we get from Genesis. In fact, it is the foundation of all we believe and understand about the world. Let me tell you a couple things here. Because a house of bat with a bad foundation is in trouble. Genesis 1 through 11 tells us the origins of man, where do we come from, where the universe comes from, where our seven-day week comes from, where time comes from, where animals come from, where when marriage comes from, that's not the Supreme Court's job, I'm sorry. It's where God, that's what God says, where gender comes from, why we wear clothes, where sin and suffering come from, where people groups come from, and the languages come from. You know there's only one human race. That's what the Bible and science has actually proved that now. Um, about Genesis tells us about a catastrophic event that happened that changed the entire topography of the world where death came from, why Jesus had to die, what he redeemed us from, what God's original plan was. In fact, I would say that the entire gospel is rest on the fact that there is a real Adam and Eve. Romans 5 says this, when Adam sinned, this is Paul talking, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, so everyone sinned. I'll go a little further. Verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Do you see them going back? Sounds like he's calling him a man. (laughs) 
Yes, Adam, one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person, one man disobeyed, God made or many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed, many will be made righteous. The whole gospel is centered around Adam being a real human being. In fact, you could say Jesus came to fix what Adam broke. So I'm laying a foundation here, guys. Uh, we're not going to really get into a lot of this sheet here uh, today, but... Um, I don't have a problem saying this stuff over and over again. You know, I was debating. I was like, well, should I do it? You know, we do, we do it every year. People, I, I just felt like, you know, I felt the Lord say, you just need to keep talking about it. You just need to keep talking about it. You'll get it. We'll get it. And our church has grown about 30% since last year. So there's a lot of new folks in here. But we need to hear it and our teenagers need to hear it. So this next verse is probably the most fascinating scriptures on this issue that I've ever read. And when I read it, it was like, I mean, literally, it's like, whoa, mind blown. Second Peter 3, and he says this, Most importantly, I want to remind you, in the last, last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. I remember that. They deliberately forget that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command, and he brought the earth from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth has been, have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the days of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. Now, do you hear what he's saying? Let's, let's break it down. In the last days, we're in them, scoffers and mockers will say, is Jesus really coming back? Well, obviously we hear that all the time. Yeah, we make fun, people make fun of us. Jesus coming back, yeah, yeah, right. Scoffers. You guys are crazy. Then they, they will say, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Now, what did I tell you was the main thrust of why they think the earth is 4.5 billion years? Uniformitarianism. The present is the key to the past. The assumption that natural laws and processes that operate in our present day scientific observations have always operated in the universe in the past and apply everywhere in the universe. So do you hear what he's saying? In the last days, they're going to say there's going to be uniformitarianism. He didn't use that word. Everything is the same as it's always been. Now listen, they deliberately forget. Now that Greek word means they on purpose overlook the truth. They deliberately forget. I choose not to see this. What two things? Number one, that God made the heavens long ago by his command and that he destroyed the earth with a flood. Now, what are the two most debated things, even in, in Christendom, if that's the right word to say, what are the two most deba debated things, creation and the flood? And what are the two things that they everybody tries to discredit, creation and the flood? And let me ask you this. Do you know how many people believe that Jesus existed in America? 92% of Americans believe Jesus was a real man. He was a godly man. He was a holy man. He did miracles. You know, probably not all of them believe he was the son of God. 92% of people believe he was a real person. Only 30% are certain that God created the world in six days and that God created, that, created everything we see by a direct miracle or that humans didn't evolve from other lives, forms. 92% say, I got no problem with Jesus. 30% say, uh, God didn't do that. Or only 30%. 70% of the, of the world says, of the nation says, God didn't do that. He didn't create the world like that. 70% says, there's no you know, supernatural intervention. So here's the point. They want to tear down the foundation. This is the enemy's scheme. It doesn't matter that Jesus was a real person. All they have to do is tear down the validity of what he's saying because they tear down the validity of the beginning and the, and the whole foundation comes crumbling down. 
We're being told science and the Bible don't work together. The Bible contradicts science. No, it doesn't contradict science. It contradicts the ideology and the religion of humanism. Humanism is it's all about us and there's no other supernatural entity that intervened. So God created science. He created everything we see. He created all the laws and the natures of physics. So here, let's, let's get in here a little bit for a second. Hebrews 11. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Read that again. Just read it to yourself. By faith, we understand the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It takes faith to believe that God created the universe. I would say it takes even more faith to believe that he didn't. But the church has to step up. Because we're not talking about a blind faith. We're talking about a faith that has a lot of really good reasons to believe in it. We just have to share it. There are some amazing scientists like Dr. Petrovich, some very intelligent people who've come to God and come to this conclusion by studying the evidence. These are people who've been on digs. These people who have looked at the DNA. They've studied the fossils. They've studied the skies. And they've come to the conclusion, this did not happen by natural purposes. It had to happen by an intervention of a more higher being. They're saying that the science actually points to creator. It points to a young earth and a global flood, and we'll get into that a little bit, but it takes faith. Let me just tell you, there are no slam dunks. So here's my call to us today, and I'm, I'm wrapping up. We're not, we're not going to get into this a whole lot today, but will you take God at his word? Will you believe what he says? You know, this is my story, really. Um, when I began to see the stuff that I began to see, I began to go, Man, there's a big hole in my faith. Like, I love God, but I don't know if I really believe that. But when I saw things like this, put that next slide up there. Huge underground reservoir holds three times as much water as the Earth's oceans. This is in Nova. They just found this out a few years ago. Now think about it. What is the main argument that people say that there was no global flood? There's not enough water on the Earth. Now, what does, what does it say in Scripture? The fountains of the great deep burst forth. Hello? Huge reservoirs hold three times as much water as the Earth's oceans. They will never say anything. They will never talk about it. You've got to go looking for it. But you're looking for it through the eyes of through the eyes of the Bible. And, you know, and I don't know about you, but isn't it interesting that we will take what's in a science journal, we'll take what someone wearing a white coat. Remember, I think last year I came, I put my white coat on so you'd listen to me. I should do it again. <laughs> we'll take what someone says with an MD on the back or a PhD on the, on, at the end of their name, and we'll take it at face value, but we'll look at people who say something about the Bible and say, prove it. We'll take anything. If, if, if we see it in the journal, you know what they found? They found this. It may go against God's word, but we'll say they, they found it. And then when we come to the Bible, we'll say, I need you to prove that to me. You know, in 1920s, there were the textbooks in America, not everywhere, but many textbooks were, were teaching that there were five races and they were all descendants from different types of apes. It was racism. They were teaching that um, the orangutan brought forth the Asians, the chimpanzees brought forth the whites, that the uh, apes were bringing forth the black, pe black population, and that the white was actually the highest form of uh, evolution. They were teaching this in our books. What are we learning now that will be disproved in 20 years? You know what doesn't change? God's Word. 
And we can use this in every area of our life. Literally, we can use this in every area of our life. When the doctor says, hey, it's not looking good. The stats show you're not going to live. You say, you know what? I appreciate what you're saying, but God's word says something different. And, and, and here's the point I'm trying to correlate in all this, and I, and I really begin to happen in my own life. When I began to believe God for what he said in the, in the beginning, I began to believe the rest of his scripture about every single, he, single thing he said about my life. And it's like my faith just literally came alive. And I began to say, God, I literally believe you with every fiber of my being. I trust you. Now, I gave you this handout. What I encourage you to do with this handout, it, it's 12 reasons Genesis is history. It's very general. We're not going to get, I mean, I didn't have enough space to go. <laughs> I'm not going to give you a whole 10 pages. But um, what I would encourage you to do is take a picture of this and uh, maybe put it up on your refrigerator. But take a picture of it so as we're talking about it in the next few weeks, you can just pull it up on your phone. Um, I, I just want to uh, end with just one little thing, and uh, then we'll, we'll close here. You guys with me on this? Yeah. This is interesting. Okay, good. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. We still, I'm here, so we're not have a baby yet. I don't know what's going. On. But at uh, some point, I will be gone uh, for a week or two. But uh, I want us to read Genesis one, um, just real quick. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a few. It's not fully reading it, but let's read it. Genesis one. The NASB, which, uh, which is a more of a word for word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Now, that, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Doug Petrovich, he has his own translation of Genesis 1, and he gave it to me too late, I couldn't get it. But it says, in the beginning, God created the cosmos. This is really what that word means. God created the cosmos, which means the entire outer space. Okay? The earth was formless and void. So we read that. Okay. He said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning one day. Now, we don't know what the light was because he doesn't create the sun, moon, and stars for four till the day four. So there was some kind of light he created. There's a lot of hypothesis out there that are like, whew, goes over my head. Then it says, God says, let there be an expanse in the midst of the water. Let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And so it was. So God called the expanse heaven in the evening and there was morning a second day. So God creates the sky. He separates the water. So apparently when God created the, war, the earth, the entire earth was a ball of water. Okay, and so then he said, now let's separate them. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear. And so it was. So God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called seas and God saw it was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, yielding seed and fruit trees in the earth, bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And so it was day three. So on day three, he creates uh, the land and, he, and all the trees and the vegetation. Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs for the seasons, for the days and the years, and let them be for lights in the expanse in the heavens to give light on the earth. And so it was. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also, day four. So day four, he creates the stars, moon, uh, and the sun. Then God said, let the waters teem with swarming swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. Day five, so God creates fish and birds. Day six, then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And so it was, God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind. Everything that creeps on the ground after its kind, God saw it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image uh, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over the earth and everything that was creeping, every, every, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Okay, day six. So I've got a little thing here. Go to that next slide, if you will, Abigail. All right, day one, light, earth, 
Day two separates the waters above and below, creates sky. Day three, dry, plant, dry land and plants. Day four, sun, moon, plants, stars. Day five, flying and sea creatures. Day six, land animals and man. Okay, so that's what God's word says. Now, I, I want us to go to the next thing. Go to the next slide. This is what the secular view is. 13.8 billion years, the Big Bang. Then what's the next thing that's created? Stars, sun, then the earth, then the first oceans. And I think there's one more slide. Go to the next, uh, to the next one. Yeah, go more. And then you see all the things that, that are created from there, and it's kind of hard but, but, uh, to see. But, you know, fish, then comes birds, mammals, uh, reptiles, mammals, and then humans. Okay, so let's ask the question. How does this go against God's word? Evolution says the universe, sun, moon, stars were formed first. They're 13.5 billion years old. What does the Bible say? It was created on day four, that God created the earth first. Okay? Evolution says fish came first and then birds. The Bible says they came on the same day. In fact, evolution states that... Um, Birds are actually modern-day dinosaurs. Of course, they happen to find dinosaurs with birds in their stomach, but that's an anomaly. Okay. Then we see God created man on the same day as animals, according to the Bible, but what is evolution? It's a huge contradiction. Animals came first, animals happened, and then humans so we're at a place here. We've got to ask, this, or ask ourselves a question. What are we going to believe? Contradicts God's word. Let me ask another question. We just read in Romans, when Adam sinned, death entered the world. So the Bible says there was no death before Adam was created. He made a perfect place. And it says... God created life, everything with life, and that sin brought death. What does evolution teach us? That through death, millions and years of death, life came out about. Do you see how the two things are incompatible? They don't work. And I know we want to be cool and try to fit all the things that the world's saying and say, well, they're, they, don't, they don't fit, they're incompatible. The, the whole thing is messed up. So we would have to accept that for over millions and millions and millions of years that death has been happening before God said death happened. So let me ask you the question, do you believe God's word fully? When we try to mix the two worlds together, the world's story and God's story, we get a powerless church. Why? Because... James says a double-minded man is unstable in his all his ways, and he should never expect to receive anything from the Lord. And when we're, we're double-minded, where we say, yeah, I believe God here, but mm, I also believe this thing over here, we actually lose the ability to believe God and take him at his word because we're not quite sure if what I'm reading in God's word is totally true. I'm going to invite the worship team up here. So does that mean we bury in our heads in the sand, we're anti-science, and we look crazy? Well, let me just give you one word right away. We already look crazy. We already look crazy. <laughs> Might as well just go all the way. I mean, seriously, we already look crazy. But no, no, there's plenty of science that gives us confidence and arguments for believing God's word. But remember, it takes faith. And you have to remember that these people who are putting forth these things that seem so clear... It, it's, like, it's like us adopting an evolution thing that, that we all came, you know, uh, gosh, what's the guy's name? Not Hawkins, uh, not Darwin. There's, another, there's a guy now. He says we are all relatives of jellyfish. Okay, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that's how, uh, but you got to realize the way we feel about that is the way they feel about what we're trying to say with the Word of God. And so we shouldn't get all worried about it and go, man, I don't know what to do. And they're, you know, what did I say in John chapter 3? We've been talking over and over and over again. 
Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So if the Bible says it takes faith to believe that God created everything, you can't have faith if you don't have the spirit of Christ living inside of you. And so what happens is we're, it's not just a culture world. It's, a, it's, a, it's not just a science thing. We're actually against two ideologies and two spiritual things, humanism versus God. And we have to recognize that. And so the plan is to spend, I originally was going to do Daniel, and I just decided, I felt like the Lord said, no, don't do that right now. We'll use it at some other time. Then I was supposed to continue working on this and going through some of these things in here. We're going to talk about DNA. We'll talk about ancient civilizations. That's one of my favorite ones. Carbon dating. Caveman or fully human. Genesis explains the world. We're going to get into Noah's Ark a little bit. Flood legends. Man, that's fascinating if you've read those with me. The fossil record. Population statistics. Where are all the people? There should be a lot more people on the earth if we're really 200,000 years old. But I love what Doug Petrovich said when I was watching something. Let's stand up real quick because we got to close here. But I love what he said. Hebrews 11, by faith we understand the universe was formed by God's command. And he said, you know how I know God's word is true? Listen to this real quick. The Holy Spirit confirms with my spirit that this is true. Think about that a second. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. There is, when you read something, you need to pay attention to this. It's things that people that don't know Jesus, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You guys are crazy. But as a believer, there's something to go, I don't know why, but this is true. And it's the Holy Spirit, and it's the Spirit inside of you confirming, say, yeah, yeah, this is right. That's true. And so I just want to um, in. It's not really an altar call to have you come up and believe in Genesis. I don't know. But uh, here's what I want us to do. Here's how I want us to end. Uh, let's just bow our heads for a second. I just want to make sure that there's any, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, maybe you're watching online right now, and somebody's online that can respond to you. But if there's anybody in this room, nobody looking around, that just I just think it's so important we always do this. Does anybody in this room say, I don't know Christ as my personal Savior, and I'd like to today? And you just lift up your hand and say, that's me. Anybody in this room? Okay. So here's how I want us to, just everybody look at me real quick. Here's how I want us to end this. I just want to make a declaration and just say, God, I believe this word is true, and I choose to follow it. Can we just say that like that? So we're going to say it together. Just say, God, I believe your word is true, and I choose to follow it. One more time. God, I believe your word is true, and I choose to follow it. We just make a declaration that I'm going to... Everything that I do in my life is going to be a filter through this word. And if something doesn't line up right, we don't go, well, maybe the Bible's wrong. We say, well, maybe you're wrong. <laughs> you know, seriously. And um, so well, let me just pray you guys out. And 